John, there was a shocker. Catherine Tappan's not going to be the Sunday night football sideline reporter. Instead, it's Melissa Stark. That's one of the things going on. You know, less of a shocker. Fox has a deal in place with the Big Ten. That was expected, but there's been a lot of movement there. And of course, the USFL launched. Play fake. Perez in the end zone, open and touchdown. Ryan Satterfield gets the first touchdown in the history of the USFL. And we're back. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. And this is the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Let's get right started. Uh, who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, lead us off. Who's up? It's got to be Melissa Stark out of nowhere. She's going to be the sideline reporter for Sunday Night Football. I mean, that's a huge move uh, because when you look at Sunday night, first off, it's the number one show in prime time overall. So big platform. Number one. Number two is you get some Super Bowls. And for Stark, uh, she was uh, a big star uh, about 10, 15, 20 years ago uh, at NBC. Uh, she now has a comeback uh, with Sunday Night Football. She was on NFL Network, but a big who's up for Melissa Stark. We'll get a little bit more into that in a little bit. My who's up, Andrew? Chris Ripley of Sinclair. You know, Chris Ripley has strung together a lot of little victories, and he had actually, it's not a little one. It's what I was calling the biggest sports media deal of 2022 was Sinclair's negotiations with Charter Communications. Charter renewed their deal. They're going to continue to carry the Bally Sports RSNs. If Charter had said no, played hardball, and decided not to carry the, uh, the RSNs or put them on a tier or put them at a different price point, it could have been death for the Valley Sports RSNs. They were able to uh, do that deal. And now all my eyes are focused on next year when the DirecTV deal is up with Sinclair. And I think that DirecTV is going to take a much harder t- uh, uh, position than uh, Charter did. All right, let's move to who's down. Who do you got? Who's down? I have Burke Magnus, David Burson, John Miller, imagine this. You're an executive with ESPN, with NBC, with CBS, and you're going in to negotiate for the Big Ten rights. And sitting across the table from you are two executives from one of your biggest rivals in Fox. Uh, that, that's what's happening right now. Uh, the two Fox executives, Mark Silverman and Larry Jones, are consulting with the Big Ten through the the Big Ten Network, which uh, Fox Sports owns most of, and it's a uh, it's a weird situation. So it's something that all my sources say they've never seen before. As I like to say, Andrew, never before in human history has this actually happened, where where the networks are pitching to another network for uh, the rights to a separate conference. All right, we'll get into that later. I want to know who you think's the favorite and how that you think that plays out. We'll we'll get that to, to that later. All right, my who's down. I went with Stark as my who's up, who's down. I think it has to be at this point, Catherine Tappan. Now, maybe NBC has another move for her where this, you know, where it works out for uh, the situation. But she was the one who looked like the heir apparent to replace Michelle Tafoya on Sunday Night Football. 
Um, instead, it's Stark out of nowhere. And again, it's a career changer in terms of you could be doing Sunday night, you could be doing the Super Bowl. She was on the Super Bowl uh, this past February, opposite to Foya, uh, and now she's not getting that job, and it's going to Melissa Stark. Maybe they have another move, and maybe she moves out of that who's down uh, area. But uh, a lot of people like her. Uh, I got a lot of texts and and uh, correspondence from people surprised by this. Um, but uh, but I think at the moment. With Stark in in that role, uh, she's got the who's down for Catherine Tappen. Well, Andrew, let's just take that. Let's go right into topic one, which is about uh, this decision uh, that NBC made about the sideline reporters. And what I find so interesting about this is Melissa Stark was a sideline reporter for Monday Night Football back in the early 2000s. And then she sort of left. She left sports and she came back in a really quiet way about five years ago with NFL Network and then has taken the step where she's now the sideline reporter again, 20 years later for the main primetime broadcast on, on the NFL. So I had this story last week um, in terms of this move. Now, I don't know the background though, in terms of why. Um, and so, but let's just talk about Melissa Stark. I mean, this is a career changing role. It just puts her back on that Super Bowl. You know, the NBC will have a couple of Super Bowls, uh, you know, under her, uh, with her at the sideline spot. Um, Sunday Night Football is the most watched show in primetime. And so, look, we're talking, I don't know uh, the exact particulars as to why, but I will say this um, on the surface, and which I, I like, um, nothing against Catherine Tappen, but I, the one thing I think sometimes places get themselves into trouble is that they don't just pick who they think's the best person. So let's just go on the theory. That's why they went with Stark over Tappen. They think Stark is better than Tappen. And to me, at the end of the day, when you get in too much into friendships, you get too much into, well, it's this person's turn. You end up not having as quality a broadcast. And this is the number one show in prime time. Uh, it's important. And so if you think that Melissa Stark is a better choice uh, than Catherine Tappen, then I think you make that move. I'm pretty certain Melissa Stark's going to, I, th I think she's good. I think she's going to do a good job as a sideline reporter. What I'm going to be looking at is Catherine Tappen's next role. Will it be with NBC? Has that sort of soured things with NBC? Is she going to go? Because there's a place in sports media for Catherine Tappen as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this was a shocker. This wasn't one. This was one we thought Tappen was likely. You look at it, it made sense. Uh, she was uh, on the Super Bowl opposite Michelle Tafoya. Um, all indications were, and I think, you know, her side thought she was getting that job um, to be the sideline reporter. It's a new team, total facelift uh, for Sunday Night Football. Al Michaels is being replaced by Mike Tirico. Michaels, of course, went to Amazon now uh, to do Thursday night with their exclusive coverage starting in the fall. Uh, they had brought in Drew Brees. Uh, Brees had a chance, I do believe, to maybe replace Chris Collinsworth. Instead, um, they've stuck with Collinsworth uh, for $12.5 million a year, which is a bargain these days for to work five months of the year, one game a week. Um, how is he going to live on that, that $12.5 million <laughs> number? Uh, and so uh, NBC, no, but NBC smartly, and even in that move, I think they were smart. They got a little ahead of it. Uh, and, you know, obviously $12.5 million is a ridiculous amount of money for that job. Um, we, can, we don't have to get into right now in terms of um, these are billion-dollar deals and these guys should be whatever. $12.5 million is a great salary. Chris Collinsworth should be plenty happy. It's not the $18 million that uh, Aikman's getting and Romo get. Uh, but 
So they were ahead of that, but they could have a total facelift with Breeze. Um, we'll get to Breeze in a, in a, in a moment or two. I, I give them credit, though, again, if that's the reason they just thought she's the best person for the job and they don't they didn't go with, you know, what is, you know, kind of meet what was moving into that. Catherine Tappan's very popular, though, um, and, and she seemed to do a very good job. Um, NHL, uh, golf, you know, there still could be a big role. And maybe there's another move like that we don't know about yet. You know, I only know about the one move. Maybe there's another move where it all makes sense and it all comes together. And Catherine Tappan's uh, a winner in this as well. Andrew, I feel like our rundown has been created by Sports Center here. We're in the middle of April. And we're talking about the NFL and nothing but the NFL. Because I want to move to topic two, which is a, another move everybody's expecting. Is there a potential shocker with Fox as they're, they're negotiating with Greg Olson? Everything uh, that I've heard, everything that you've reported suggests that it's going to be Greg Olson as the number one analyst. Uh, I think they're probably, where was Al Michaels? He ended up at the two-yard line or the one-yard line. I think that's probably where they are with Greg Olson. What are you hearing on that? Yeah, the Olsen thing I think is about to heat up, um, you know, could heat up this week. Uh, and uh, it's been quiet, though. He is the number one candidate. Here's one I've written about for a while um, and I've mentioned, but I do think there may be smoke. I'm not saying this will happen, but the idea that Drew Brees could be dealt or shared with Fox, I don't think is out of the question, but more likely for the number two role uh, in the number two games, not the one. If Joe Buck had stayed, I think that Breeze would have had a chance maybe to, to move from uh, NBC to Fox and be the one with Buck. I think Buck may have liked the idea of Breeze. Uh, and then, but now I think it'd be more for the two uh, with Burkhart already the number one uh, and already have worked with Greg Olson and Olson, the reviews were much better, but Fox executives like, like Breeze. Uh, and, you know, we, we're going to get into the USFL. Fox is working closely uh, with NBC on the USFL. Um, we just had the news the other day at Talladega uh, that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be an analyst on Fox's coverage. And, he, you know, obviously he's an NBC guy. Um, so there does seem to be something, a pattern here that's developed. And, why, and so does Fox want to announce, all right, uh, Olsen and Breeze at the same time? Here's the catch, though. Breeze, I'm not sure exactly what he makes, but he's got a very nice salary at NBC. The number two role doesn't generally pay as much. Um, you know, I, I, Olsen has reported making uh, near two, about $1.7 million. I think Breeze is in the six to eight with an escalator if he had moved to Sunday night. The one thing is Breeze wants to do games, and if he feels like NBC is down on him, this is where you get into he has a lot of money. What's better for him? What's better for his future? Does he reset things and go to Fox, learn a little bit, and then put puts himself in position to be a number one? I'll give him credit if he does that. That's something I think to watch as a possibility. I'm not saying it's definitely happening, but there is definitely smoke there in my opinion. Again, that would be following a route that – every analyst on TV has taken. I mean, until Tony Romo, there has been no sort of like, we're going to just hire somebody and put them in the, in the number one booth. People always work them way, uh, work their way up. I, I love going back to the John Madden uh, uh, example where he started, what was it on, on I think the fifth game of, uh, of, of CBS. And he progressively worked his, his way up as people were like, wow, this guy's really good. And like, he wasn't the number one analyst right away. And I think that, you know, if, if Breeze does that, it's not that it seems unusual now because everybody's getting so much money and everybody's a number one analyst, but that is exactly, that's pretty much how the, the business has historically worked. 
Yeah, it seems like crazy when you think about it. Uh, Troy Aikman went to do the World Football League. What was it called that? The W, whatever it was. What was the the Europe European football? What was that? The uh, NFL Europe. NFL Europe. He went to do NFL Europe. Olsen's, you know, he did some games a couple of years ago. What's the other league? I don't know any of these leagues now. It wasn't the USFL. It was before the USFL, whatever it was called. XFL. Was it XFL? XFL? No, I think it was that other one. That other American sport. Alliance of American Football, yeah, AAF. <laughs> it's like it's like acronym salad here, Andrew. It's like trying to remember all the stadium names. It's like, what is that stadium called? <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. bought it? Who bought the rights to the, this time? Yeah, they're talking about K-Rod. They were talking on the other day, like what Seattle's called. I guess not Safeco. It's AT&T. Or I don't know what it is. It's just, uh, it's, it's kind of like that. It's trying to figure out what the stadiums are called. Anyways, they did, you know, quote, you know, semi-pro or not as high up, not NFL games. Uh, so, you know, maybe Breeze does that. And then Fox comes out of it um, with a combination of Burkhart Olsen as your one. And then I would say it's probably going to be Joe Davis and then maybe Drew Brees. Now they like some people on their staff as well. Uh, Mark Sanchez, they got John Vilma, um, a couple others who maybe they, they move up into that uh, two role. But uh, that could be what we're waiting on. It's kind of been slow and quiet um and, and again let me just be certain to say though I, i'm not saying it's definitely happened i'm saying there's just a little bit of smoke there let's move to the usfl topic three john your overall impressions of the usfl they get three million people watching it looks like as their viewership um which uh, they had a simulcast between nbc and Fox, what are your thoughts? And they rolled in a bunch of their streaming numbers with that. Three million viewers, that's pretty much what I expected for a football game that went across two broadcast networks in prime time on a Saturday night. That, you know, it, it wasn't a disaster. I don't think it was a huge home run, but I think it was a nice number. I know all the executives are are pretty happy with the number. It's, of, of course, going to drop dramatically. Uh, I don't, uh, I haven't, we haven't seen yet what the uh, USA numbers were over the weekend. Uh, but uh, of course, those are going to be, uh, you know, cable versus broadcast and, and uh, there's going to be no simulcast. But here's my message to uh, like Brad Zager and, and to Eric Shanks is that I hated it and they shouldn't care about that because I like I, it, it just looked like a video game. The, uh, the drones made me dizzy. And I, I sound like an old man. I'm not in that demo that they're trying to reach. I, I could tell you that I was watching some of it with my son over the weekend. And he really, he, like, he loved the, that, the different perspective because it, it just reminded him of playing Madden. It reminded him of, of playing a video game. And they had the helmet cam that they brought out. And it was kind of neat and cool. But, you know, I, I just like that old fixed camera on the 50 and show, show me sort of, a, you know, what, what's happening with it. And they brought out a lot of bells and whistles. And for me, with all these uh, spring leagues, what I really enjoy watching is all the experimentation that takes place during the spring league and then how it, uh, it what ends up coming over to the NFL in, in the fall. And I, I think if, if they're able to do drones on the field as they have been, uh, you know, it's, it's going to totally change the way that we view NFL football this fall. Yeah, there's going to be some innovation. I thought... You know, we played that opening call from Kurt Menefee on the first call. He had the first name of the guy who scored the touchdown wrong, um, which, you know, for history, I don't know, maybe they'll redub it or something. But uh, <laughs> at the, I didn't, I'm sure they were like, oh, you know, because if you look at the graphics, different name. Yeah, I think overall the TV production of these games have been, has been good and different, right? Like, I don't know, the drone 
doesn't really it's kind of dizzying um but you're right like younger people uh could like that more i did get some feedback it didn't bother me as much but you could hear everyone talking it's like you hear like 30 people talking which is kind of cool but like you don't know what's going on exactly yeah, like was that the coach talking was it the ref talking who's exactly. talking yeah exactly I don't, they must have been on delay right because i mean they had they get the swearing out uh, yeah I, I, you know what I, i'm not sure if they were or not Right. They had to be because I there had to be swearing. I mean, these guys, nobody swears in the USFL. Like I, <laughs> it's, a fam- like it's a family friendly <laughs> environment. They're $10 a ticket. man. Yeah, maybe, maybe nobody swears, but, uh, but yeah, so I thought like it was okay. Like, I don't know if I personally would not be there every week uh, for these games. I did think, I know they're getting sued or whatever, but uh, the uniforms uh, really do make something, make it feel a little bit different it makes it feel if you're of a certain age um if you're 40 or older you know maybe even 30 maybe i don't know i have to do the math but you you know you did watch the usfl uh and so seeing those uniforms again uh, on the field was kind of cool um even though you know the people in the uniforms weren't like the ones that we saw back in the day between doug flutie and herschel walker uh, for the generals I'm going to drop a name on you. Cliff Stout, I believe, was the quarterback of the Birmingham Stallions back in the day. Oh, I was a right. guy. Like, I really I could go down the roster. <laughs> uh-huh. You want me to keep going? Pittsburgh. Oh, you know, Mike unfortunately, Ruggier. here in D.C. Mike Ruggier. Oh, yeah, the Federals. It was the Federals. Like, they were it was the Washington Federals. They, they decided to make a football team, dress them in green, and have an eagle as their as their logo. And uh, incredibly, they did they didn't weren't really well supported. Can you imagine that? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do a little quiz. Let me let me see if you let's see how big a fan you were. Boston. What was their nickname? The Breakers. Oh, you said you're gonna kill all these. All no, right. no, I I actually wasn't a big USFL fan. Oh, San Antonio. Uh, the. No, it was the Houston Gamblers. It was a San Antonio. Um, I, 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 you got me on that. Gunslingers. One. Gunslingers. All right. <laughs> you do the gunslingers now? I don't know if you're allowed to do the gunslingers now. I'm not sure. John, let's stay with Fox for topic four. And the Big Ten rights, you broke the story that they already have a deal in place. And not only that, they get to decide who gets the next deal. What is this? It's just like pick your own uh, teammates. Uh, explain to people who uh, uh, didn't read it when you broke the story Friday for the Sports Business Journal. I should have done this, uh, Eric Shanks, as a back-to-back who's up based on this deal. Back in 2017, when they did the uh, the, the deal that they're under right now, the uh, Fox negotiated with the conference and uh, and ended up having the Big Ten Network handle the rights to the conference. And who owns the Big Ten Network? It's majority owned by Fox. So that means that Fox executives are able are go are in all these meetings to sort of act as a consultant uh, to to decide who's going to get the rights. And surprise, surprise, Fox ended up with the rights. Uh, Fox is going to be paying a lot for these rights. I mean, it's going to the conference. Kevin Warren, who is a conference commissioner, has a final say on on who gets it. I mean, just imagine like if you're Burke Magnus of ESPN and you go into a meeting. And you're trying to talk about the vision of ESPN. This is what this is what our strategy is. This is how you fit into our strategy. And you're talking to Fox. I, I mean, they're they're just kind of sitting there, you know. Listen, it it, it, it is such a unique situation to be in. Uh, that that and that's the main reason I got it out. In addition to to Fox getting uh, getting the deal done, and now you have uh, you know they they've already the Big Ten is sitting so pretty, Andrew, because. Already, they've had meetings with CBS, with NBC, with ESPN, with Turner, with Apple, and with Amazon. 
So there are six people, there are six companies, there are six deep pocketed companies that are trying to get the secondary package to, to the big 10. And it's like bidding on a house. If you have more than one bidder, it's gonna go up. Expect these rights to, to go up particularly big. CBS is, you know, I don't wanna say they're desperate, but they really, really want it to because the SEC football game that they have on Saturday afternoon is going away. NBC really, really wants it because they've always had, you know, one college football game, Notre Dame. If they can get another big Midwestern game to to pair with the Notre Dame game, you know, that that's a double header that they really, really want to have. Uh, Amazon, Apple, they're kicking the tires, and uh, I, I I haven't mentioned ESPN for a reason, but the uh, the the coaches and the ads. Uh, I, I, I think that I think that Fox would want to move off ESPN because there's so much money elsewhere. But don't discount the coaches and the ads that don't want to move off of ESPN and not be a part of SportsCenter. And and they, they feel that that would hurt in recruiting. They feel that you know that that would just kind of hurt in you know word of mouth. The ESPN is a place for for college sports. Let me ask you this. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to predict because we do that every week. And then we say, well, they're the leaders and then but somebody else can come in. So let's not do that. But here, here's my question to you when you look at the marketplace um, and you see that you have Fox, so you have the broadcast rights uh, that's going to be, you would think they're going to continue with Big Noon kickoff. Um, how important do you think the weight is between taking money from someone like Apple or Amazon that doesn't have a broadcast um, component where you're going out to quote free TV um, or even a Turner, uh, you know, in, in that scenario, even though you do have the one broadcast, how important do you think it is to these leagues as we go forward or where we stand right here in 22 to, to have that distribution? Now you could be on, you know, the iPhone everywhere. And with the baseball package, would you get these alerts? I'm sure everyone gets them on their phone. I get them, you know, I'm sure everyone gets these alerts about Friday night baseball on Apple, but where, where do you think that stands in terms of where leagues are looking at that, that there was that possibility? You know, it, it changes from, from league to league. So the NFL, wants to make sure that all of its games are on broadcast. So even though uh, Amazon is going to have exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football, locally in the teams that are playing, it's going to be on over-the-air broadcast in, in those markets. And that historically has been a big part of, uh, of the NFL. You take the NBA, who's about ready to start negotiating uh, their league, they have a history of being an innovator. They were the first ones back at, you know, when Michael Jordan retired in the late 90s, they left NBC and went solely to ESPN, you know, with the, the, the finals on ABC. And it was, a, you know, betting on cable back in the late 90s was, was not a surefire bet at that time, but it was something that David Stern did. And it's part of, you know, the, the, the NBA wears that as part of their legacy. I think you take a look at the, the NHL deal um, where, the, you know, it's a very heavy streaming deal because they feel that most of their fan base are younger and, and tech savvy and will, will adopt to streaming. So it's a way to get a lot of money and, and, and also keep, keep younger fans uh, engaged. With the Big Ten, I think they, one of the things that they want to do is they, they want to make sure that they're seen by as many people as possible. They're much more along the, the NFL uh, li lines of thinking. U ultimately, though, they want the top dollar. Yep. CBS and NBC are going to pay top dollar for those packages. Apple and Amazon, they don't need them. And, and to, to, I, I know they have deeper pockets, 
but they're, they they have to make money off of this. It's a, I don't you know, think he's, I just, here, here's the one thing we, we, we're going to get into, you know, let's just actually move into the next topic. Topic five is Apple versus Peacock's deal. And so the one thing I think you're, that I disagree with you, is like, you keep saying that they don't need these things. I mean, yes, they're like the biggest companies in the world and the most successful and they have great businesses all over it, but like, they're trying to build these other businesses and where sports does play a part and like something you said last week that that makes sense is that um for the apple deal they're going to go into these different markets and people have to sign up and then maybe they'll try ted lasso maybe they'll watch coda and maybe they'll stick with it that's basically the plan but what sports can do is the long tail we talked about premier league and what the nbc and peacock have with that is that there is a core i don't know how many people but uh, there's a significant amount of people in our country who need premier league and are going to pay for cable to get uh, usa network and you're going to pay for peacock and it goes for eight months and then you have peacock and then all of a sudden a couple of years from now that's just a part of your life you have peacock you know because they have premier league and then you they you start to like the other things they're they're adding baseball i think when you look at it you need like things that keep going you look at amazon and they're gonna have Starting this Friday in my area, they're going to have local Yankee games, which are important. There are going to be 21 of them. So that starts now. It goes to the end of the regular season, which is September. Then in September, uh, the NFL Thursday night package comes in. So now all of a sudden, if you have Amazon Prime, you're going to get the Yankees and you're going to get the NFL. That's taking you from um, right now, uh, we're here in April, to uh, January. So that's almost a whole year where you have Amazon, you're feeling like you're getting something extra. And I think something that there's always competition. There's always somebody, I know Amazon prime is so dominant, but there's people coming in saying, all right, we're going to charge less. We're going to do this. And you kind of always are fending off. Even if you're the incumbent and you're the King and you have everything, uh, you're dominating if you're Amazon and all these places need this. So like an Apple, if you're building out this entertainment and you're doing a pretty good job at the moment, um, it's taking you a while, but you're doing a good job at the moment with Ted Lasso and Coda and Severance and other shows. Um, you still want other programming to keep people, to keep that stickiness. So then they're not, okay, I need my Yankee game, two to four games. Again, we're going to get in that a second terrible deal. Um, but, uh, but then, uh, but then, all right, I'll watch Coda, but then I'll turn it off. Like, I, that's the thing with these subscriptions. They're so easy to turn on and off. Maybe you and I don't. We're in the business, so we can, you know, it's, we, we have to have it. Um, we can expense some. Uh, the, uh, so it makes it easier for us. But, like, people are in budget, so they can say, no, I don't want this. I want it. I'll, I'll watch Coda. That's $5. That makes sense. But now I don't need it. I'll watch Ted Lasso. I'll be done in a week. For $5, that's worth it. Now I don't need it. There's another big buzzy show. Maybe I'll get Apple TV Plus again. That's where sports really helps because there's a guaranteed audience. You and I are in total agreement on that. That's a totally logical way to move forward on this. However, the prices that uh, traditional media companies are paying for these rights have gotten so high that the the uh, even with that marketing sort of bent on it, it it doesn't make as much sense for these digital media companies because uh, they have. It's great that they they funnel some people, but they have to end up making money off these, and and they're they're money money losing. If ESPN loses, you know the the NFL or or, or like it starts losing big big name rights, 
they're going to go under. Like they need these to survive. Like they, they, 100%. They, I, again, but they but these are people going into this business and they have other ways to make money. The one thing like we didn't mention a couple of weeks ago, like with Amazon, it's not like they don't get an advertising business. Maybe it's not as lucrative as Fox would have on Thursday night, but it's not like they don't get an advertising business on Thursday nights. They're going to have advertising. They're going to have, you know, ads for, for this, that, and the other thing. In 2022, the, uh, I will bet, 10 times out of 10 that if there's competition between a traditional media company and a digital media company, that the traditional media company is going to, going to win out on a sports rights package because it, okay. it so, just, then, it, so basically it, you're saying for getting back to our big 10 talk, if CBS or NBC, uh, ESPN or an ABC, if they are near close, it sounds like you think that the big 10 would go with them over Apple or Amazon. Here's what I think. And we'll, we'll see how, how this comes to pass. I think that CBS and NBC will be bidding a lot more for that one package that 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 they want than the digital companies will want. And I, I do think you know there's a there is a a, a chance that the uh, one of the digital companies will will get a package, but the, the, that chance lies in how many different packages the Big Ten wants to put on offer. So they're they're going to have one more broadcast package with CBS or, or NBC. I see those two as competing with each other. I find it really difficult to see them coming off of ESPN. I, th I think that they would have a, a, a lot of uh, problems uh, from, from schools and from teams and athletic directors if they, if they just left ESPN. And could they do some, you know, another sort of, you know, game of the week for Amazon Prime or, or Apple TV Plus? I, I mean, could there be four packages? I think that that's- that's, that's, where, but that's where the consumer, again, we, you know, we get into this, they keep slicing these things up and then you need all of them. I get it business-wise, but it really is not good for fans. And, and Yeah, and, and the worst thing is, as, as a Maryland fan, Maryland football has not been good recently, but if there's going to be a Maryland football game on Amazon Plus, you better believe I'm subscribing to watch it. Yeah, I love it. You call it Amazon Plus. That's awesome. Um, Amazon Plus. <laughs> keep that in. Keep it in. That's not going to oh, be one of those digital companies. Out, yeah, we things out last week when I was saying people were calling me and texting me. Uh, so we're, uh, we're keeping that in, Amazon Plus. All right. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go quick on Apple versus Peacock. John, in, in my newsletter this week, I wrote about uh, Apple versus Peacock. And I said that uh, Peacock is paying about a third the price and it's twice as smart as compared to Apple uh, with their deal with MLB. Uh, and the reason is, if you look at the Sunday package, um, it starts uh, next month. And the first six weeks, the games will be at 1130 no other game can start till 1.30. And then the final 12, the game start at noon. Uh, and then you still have that runway with the no other game starting till 1.30. So that could become a thing. Will it become a thing? I don't know. I'm not so sure. But that has a chance. And uh, it, it, there's only going to be your favorite teams probably only going to be on once. Yankees and Mets only on once. Um, and so uh, in New York. And so it doesn't annoy you as much. It's a good extra. They're only paying $30 million as opposed to Apple, $85 million. Uh, and so um, when I look at it, I think Peacock just makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think they'll, their broadcasts are going to go a little bit more of a traditional route. I think that's been a mistake by Apple uh, in terms of it's just been a focus every Friday about this, you know, their broadcast. Um, and, uh, and I actually think they could have just done a couple of slight changes and it would have been fine. I mean, just first off, two, we talked last week, two, two birds and booths instead of three. I just don't think you need a third person. Um and so I just think that's a better deal. You agree? Disagree? Don't care. Uh, I, I like the deal better. Uh, I, 
I, I think I like the Peacock deal better. They're a streaming service owned by a traditional uh, broadcast network in NBC, a traditional cable company. I mean, I th- think that the, uh, the, what you're going to see uh, from a game is, you know, they, they do it all the time. It's going to be a much more traditionally focused game. I, Apple definitely had this idea of, you know, let's reinvent uh, how, how you do baseball instead of saying like, let's, you know, they they do baseball. You know the, the broadcast networks do baseball well. Let's add in Apple S tweaks to make it a little yes. bit better. Uh, I think I, you do it slower. That's the kind of like I think you could if you wanted to like put a Katie Nolan on there. Maybe don't put her in the booth. Maybe there's something else to do where it's a little bit less. Like here's the thing: if you are just drawing up a list, it's nothing against Katie Nolan. It's just it just doesn't make any sense. Like why would you? It doesn't. They, they, she's not a baseball person. It just doesn't make any sense. Hannah Kaiser's a baseball columnist. So as the third person, uh, she makes more sense even though you know i'm not sure if it works totally but at least it makes more sense gotta kind of go slow it's like when you first meet somebody right when you first meet somebody and um unless you're like chris rock or somebody you start telling jokes every two seconds or you just you come across too strong you first want to meet somebody say hello and then as you get to know them you can show your you know it's better to show your personality a little bit you know then some people can do it can have that overwhelming personality fine but like you better hit a home run if you're going to be like that and you kind of it's kind of the same thing it's like we're just meeting you can we just kind of go a little slower and then you can try to reinvent the wheel and, and make it totally different by the way, this is why we get so many five-star reviews on our pod. Andrew Andrew Marchand with the life advice. I love it. Thank you very much. Dear Andy, if you have <laughs> questions to Dear Andy, and we'll answer them every week. I do uh, want to mention one thing. I did get a little bit of pushback from my Apple comments of, of last week, uh, where I, I talked uh, talked about how Apple is known for coming out with fully formed products. And I mentioned the iPad, the iPhone, you know, AirPods. And uh, Alex Sherman of CNBC and uh, Trip Mickle, a New York Times reporter who literally wrote a book on Apple, mentioned that you know Tim Cook is not Steve Jobs, and Tim Cook generally does come out, starts slowly, and then builds up uh, from that. Uh, and so I, 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 they, they both uh, though will take a look at these baseball telecasts and say they're so far behind. Not just the TV networks. We keep talking about the TV networks. They're behind what YouTube has done. They're behind what Facebook did. I saw those comments of John. The one thing is though, it's still Apple. Like I get it. Like fine. They, they, they were slow in entertainment. They're still Apple. Like, are we, I don't know. To me, we, we should expect a lot from Apple. I expect a lot when Amazon, you know, they've already started in sports, but when they do Thursday night football, and this is why they went and got Fred Gidelli. This is why they went and got Al Michaels. This is why they went and got Kirk Herbstreit. I expect them to hit the ground running. It's the NFL. This is major league baseball. I get it. Those are fair points about Apple, but like they don't get a pass just because, well, they screwed up other things when they went in. It's great. So no, they, I don't think he, I don't think either anybody was giving them a pass, even when they were saying that. It was, it was just a different way of looking at it. And I am unmoved from my position that there's a real fear that Apple's going to take a look and say, boy, sports it just isn't working for us. And, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll do a Sunday ticket deal, you know, which, which is looking increasingly likely because yep. then they don't have to handle the telecast or just actually, you know, selling a, po- a, a popular programming. Last week um, we talked about K-Rod. Uh, so this is topic six. I got to say K-Rod was really improved from week one to week two. All right. Uh, should I start with the negative or the positive first? What do you think, John? Start with the positive and then, and then right. kill him. <laughs> first <laughs> off, um, 
they did get A-Rod up right away. And, you know, like the both of them, it made it more of like, this is a different feel than two instead of like that staid look of them, of Michael Kay and, and Alex Rodriguez just sitting there uh, to start the show and then no energy. You get them both standing up. Um, they had, this is the negative really, but anyways, they had Kay coming in from a helicopter, uh, cause he had done the Yankee game, uh, in the afternoon for the yes network. And so he's in the helicopter, which is very, hey, rela- very Andrew, relatable Andrew, to Andrew, where, where did he do that Yankee game from Baltimore and who won that game? Yeah, the Orioles. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, go, go ahead. It's like where the Orioles is like, I don't care. I'm not a Yankee fan. It's, uh, it's like, a, no, it's not about you being the Yankee fan. It's that the Orioles don't win ever. So like if we, if we have one, we have to celebrate. We won the series. But anyways, that's very relatable content with Kay. You know, I'm sure it's somebody relatable. who's <laughs> they're filling out their, their expense report for ESPN. And like they get a ding for like some $50 charge and they see uh Kay getting helicoptered in to do a K-Rod. I'm sure that's going to go for well. Uh, <laughs> a little, hey, why didn't I get that? They, why'd they have a problem with my, uh, you know, $70? I got a new uh, tape recorder. Uh, yeah, well, Michael Kay's flying on a helicopter. Anyway. Um, and we only know about that because Kay tweeted it. Well, they t- and they, they started the show with it, too. Oh, they, began it. <laughs> they began the program. But here's the guy. So I, I, but actually, though, I thought they did better. They had Passon. He'll probably be a weekly guest. Uh, he was good. Jeff Passon again, uh, late in the games to talk baseball. He brings it. They really did a good job of is like a rod's different, right? He's not a normal human being. And Kay has the New York chutzpah to, uh, go at him a little bit and tease him a little bit. And so like, there was like a segment where, you know, Kay asked him, when's the last time you've been in a supermarket? And it just, uh, A-Rod was like terrifically awkward about it. Like, yeah, I went in. I like to go in a supermarket. It's fun. The people are friendly. Yeah. Like Alex, you go to a supermarket to pick up food and then you go home and you cook it. That's how supermarkets work. Um, and so, but it was good. And then they had A-Rod eat a peep because it was Easter uh, and he'd never eaten a peep before. He's asking how you eat it. I mean, so that's kind of good because even though, again, A-Rod still wants to be liked. I kind of feel bad for him. You know, I know he has everything basically, but I kind of feel bad because he wants to be liked so badly. But that was good. And then they got into some real inside baseball. So we talked about this last week. What are you trying to be? We know this show's not going to rate that, especially like, yeah, you know, first week they had Yankees, Red Sox opening weekend. And this week you had Padres, Braves. We know that's going to be a lower rating and, you know, their, their, their share is going to be lower as well. But what are you trying to do? And I thought they did a good job. They Chris Russo um on huge giant fan he's always good good energy um and so they and they had you know some young players on as well uh which really worked you get introductions to those guys so i thought overall uh much improved so wanted to mention that andrew one of the most popular parts of of our pod uh, that i found is when we compare announcer calls let's just get right to uh topic seven we have a couple of doozies here Let's uh, let, let's uh, we have John Sterling, who uh, is a Yankee announcer. Uh, why don't you you lead us in on that one? Yes, that was the, this was the ninth inning. Yankees um, trying to come back against the Blue Jays. Now off the bat, I have to say it did look like maybe Giancarlo Stan had this one. Um, but uh, here's the call from Sterling. Here's the 1-0. Swung on, there it goes. Deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. But caught at the wall, caught by Tapia. Boy, I thought that was gone. So Stanton got close. He sent Tapia back to the wall to make the catch. And the Yankees come up just empty. That would have tied the game. 
So the Yankees get one run on two hits and leave one. Gone but caught. <laughs> so here's the thing. John Sterling's 83. He's a legend in New York. He's never been an accurate game caller. This has been going on forever. This isn't really age-related. So, like, you kind of would feel bad if it was age-related. Sterling's been missing calls like this for a long, long time. Um, this is kind of part of his deal. Uh, he's known, obviously, even around the country for all his home run calls uh, where he, you know, makes up nicknames for all the players and all that, and that's very popular. This is not why he's there, but this one really did catch. You know, now they catch wildfire because of Twitter. They get on social media. And, look, I wrote a big story about John Sterling. I got to know him pretty well when I was covering the Yankees for about a decade. Um, and he's really an interesting um, person uh, and a kind person. So you don't want to get on him. That said, there's really no, I know people made some excuses for it. Like they're really, at the end of the day, there's no excuse for it. Your job is to, it's on radio, number one, and your job is to accurately call what happened. And so you have to wait to see if it goes over the wall. And he didn't. So it wasn't a great call. That said, it's Sterling. I mean, this is what the Yankees, this is what they've kind of had in their broadcast booth for a long time. It's not really age related. It's just, this is John Sterling related. You know, my, my favorite part of Sterling is the New York market. It's such a big market. It's a media dominated market. Everything there from a media standpoint is bigger. It feels more important because so many people are tweeting about it. But in John Sterling, you have a small town radio announcer. It's great. And he just kind of like, I, I don't know how he fits in. I don't know how he's still there. It's a, a calling, calling the radio. I think it's endearing. Yeah, people. Yeah, people love him. I mean, look, he it is entertaining. It, they're they're funny. Him and Susan Waldman. They're uh, Susan seventy five. He's eighty three, and like them, kind of belly aching, especially when the uh, Yankees are doing poorly. It's it's entertaining. All right, let's do the second call. Let you introduce it, Matt Vaskersian on the Angels. I love Matty V. I, I think he's a really really good announcer. This wasn't one of his best calls. Here he is, Jared Walsh at the plate for the Angels. Mike stays put, and it's fouled away. Check that. It's hit well to the other way, and it's gone. How do you make that mistake? And I, I know you have an answer for this, Andrew. Well, he's in studio. I know. Go to the games. Come yeah, on. I mean, like, they, they, you know, they, Matty V, you know, is an excellent play-by-player, um, but it's hard to do it in studio. You just, you don't see everything, and you just, um you know, he, he has the show for MLB Network, so they made this arrangement. Um, but, you know, long term, I think you do want somebody at the games um, because you just you just also know more. I can't I can't explain it like having been on a beat or just even on the media beat like you just don't know what you don't know. Right. Like I can't explain why I knew so much more about the. Yeah, I mean, I know now because I don't pay as much attention, but like, but just being there, you just know things that are going on before you're reporting them. And it's just, there's a bigger feel. And even as an announcer, you're going to get that from being around, seeing people, talking to people. And that shows up now. Vascursion, I do believe is going out there and going to do maybe a homestand a, a month or so, which does make it you know a little bit better, but they just don't have mistakes like that. We are still dealing with the pandemic, but we're getting more into what it was pre-pandemic and we're hoping we're going to keep speeding that way. God willing, you, you just have to be there. And we saw this also on Saturday, uh, Timberwolves Grizzlies, the Ryan Rucco, Richard Jefferson game, uh, ESPN lost their sound to their announcers, uh, which was embarrassing. 12 points for Towns, more than he's... 
again, that's when you're cutting corners too. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm like, you know, when you start, this is the NBA playoffs on the NBA. I'm not happy that happened. This is the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, are the producers, are the directors traveling uh, for the ESPN playoff for all their playoff games? And if not, this is where like, yes, you need to, we're back. Let's go. You can travel other people. Let's not try to save a couple of nickels and not do the production the way you're going to, because we can get back to the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, big money, you know, well, you're paying billions of dollars. Then we should spend uh, these, you know, 10 to $20 million on the announcers for the top teams. Okay, well, if you're going to spend all that money, then you need to spend the extra two. If you're a regional sports network, you need to have the right amount of cameras. There's certain people listening. They know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying yet. I got to do more reporting on it. But you have to send the right amount of cameras as you did before. Some networks, regional networks are doing that. Some are not. And so when you get there, um, then you have the proper production. You don't have these issues. Again, respect the business. Yeah, and with ESPN, these are the NBA playoffs. This wasn't just a, a, a regular season game. Look, snafus happen all the time. That took a long time uh, as a viewer for ESPN to A, recognize it, B, uh, develop a workaround. They ended up going and having uh, Greeny and, and Stephen A and uh, uh, calling the game from, from studio, and which was actually somewhat entertaining, I thought. But it, yeah, it wasn't. This isn't college radio. This yeah. isn't 1993. And it's me, Scott Lauer, the former uh, play-by-player for the Charlotte Hornets, John Mita Perel, the Boston College uh, play-by-player, uh, Scott Matthews is an ESPN producer, trying to get WICB uh, on the air. This is not what this is right now from, uh, you know, Ithaca Montclair State. This is the NBA playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? All right, before we get to calls of the week, Andrew, let's rank them. Who missed the call better? I think Sterling's call was more endearing. I'm going to give him one and uh, Vaskersian two. The, the, oh, we're like, we're like Sports Center. The not top 10 and not calls of the week. <laughs> not call of the week. We're going to do a Twitter poll on this, definitely. Yeah, Sterling is definitely better. I mean, it's like, um, it's almost great. Sterling. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just like, I mean, it's, it's so great. And like, there's no, um, it's almost expected. It's just tremendous. All right. Let's go to our calls of the week. Call of the week. I was mesmerized by that Nets Celtics game one. I, what a game one series. I hope it goes seven games. Had a fantastic ending to the game. Let's hear Mike Breen call it on ABC. Shot clock at two. Durant's got to put it up. Gets it off in time. Off the mark. No good. Hort for the rebound. Celtics have a timeout. Decide not to use it here. Brown the drive. Jalen Brown kicks it out. Smart fakes. Inside. Tatum spins and he puts it in. Celtics go up by one. Look, before we talk about Breen's call, Timothy Burke, Bubba Prague on Twitter, always has these great clips. He clipped uh, the Nets radio announcer making the same call. Let's listen to that as well. KD trying to separate. Tough contested three. No good off the side of the rim. Celtics to the rebound. Ten seconds to go. They're not calling a timeout. 
Front court, Jalen Brown. Rattle on the baseline. Five seconds to go. Brown out of left wing. Smart with two, with one. Tatum a layup. God at the horn. Celtics win. Celtics win at the buzzer on a layup by Jason Tatum. And they're going absolutely wild. A radio is different than TV, obviously. Breen is, Breen is excellent at his job. That wasn't his best call. The play was so frantic. As a TV viewer, he was saying that it wasn't over or it was over. And I, I wasn't quite sure. I spent a, a good five, six seconds. It wasn't part of that clip, but I spent a good five, six, maybe 10 seconds unsure of whether of what exactly happened. Uh, that did not happen on, on the Nets radio. So that was Chris Carino on WFAN uh, with the Nets broadcast. Uh, and look, Carino did the most important thing you can do if you're a sportscaster. Last week, I named him my Who's Up. Uh, for his whole regular season um, performance. Him and Tim Capstraw on FAN doing the Nets are as good as anybody doing radio anywhere. And then he just nails uh, the biggest call of the weekend, of the opening weekend of the playoffs. You mentioned Timothy Burke. He had all the calls up there. Uh, Carino's was the best. Uh, he was totally on it. Proper excitement, even though it wasn't the Nets, it was the Celtics, and he's on the Nets station. Uh, so uh, Carino, just a perfect job there. And I can't emphasize this enough if you weren't watching. People were running around. It, it, it was chaos on the court. They, they didn't call timeout to create a play. Time was running down, and and you know you thought it was there was going to be a three, and then you thought there was going to be a drive, and then there was a pass. It, it was a difficult play to call, and uh, Carino did it very, very well. Green a little bit less so, but uh, just because of the, the he, he didn't nail the ending uh, in my in my opinion. But uh, both both good calls. All right, well that's going to do it for the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. We thank you as always uh, for listening. If you can write a review, give us a rating. Uh, that's uh, five stars is the best. Uh, we would appreciate it very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks.